This Boss Lady Coaching podcast episode is produced in part by Fort Knox Federal Credit Union. People helping people. Visit fortknoxfcu.org. At Fort Knox Federal Credit Union, we've got your back through all of life's biggest moments. Like when your daughter looks in the mirror at the bridal shop and says, This is the one. When you walk through a home that you want to make your own. This is the one. Or when he tours the campus for the first time. This is the one. Fort Knox Federal Credit Union has money to lend for each of life's precious moments with low-rate loans for every celebration. Stop by a branch or visit fortknoxfcu.org for more information. Equal Opportunity Lender. Hi, Megan. Hi. Happy post-election mayhem. Mayhem is right. We made it. Uh, tell me about Braver by the Day. How's that going? It is going wonderfully. I'm super excited. Raymond and Boone, our downtown boutique in E-Town, will be offering the journal here um, as soon as I can get it dropped off to them. I'm not multitasking very well this Get week, it over so there. I am, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to follow my own advice and do something and take action and, and make sure that will be, by the time this is up and posted, they will have it. So um, we're just really excited and seeing it embraced by um, folks even out of state sent one off to Utah earlier this week which was kind of cool so yeah thanks to everybody who's shown interest they're still available on the website at bethebosscoaching.com under shop and um, also the very high-tech function of just message us on Facebook if you want one so we can do that too speedy delivery yes (laughs) ish. sorry (laughs) and uh, our friend Michelle Harmon is we're going to interview her in December. Oh, great. She's going to be awesome. She's in an ice cream tasting event right now. That's no, the, and we're not there. And we're not there. So <laughs> thoughts and prayers <laughs> to Michelle Harmon. That, I could not have that job. Like that is one thing legitimately. I like to think I could be really flexible in a lot of environments, but no, it would be all. <laughs> I would eat my product and She's like, be like, I hate this job, says <laughs> no one ever. Yeah, could not do that. Props <laughs> to her for having that much self-control. It's going to be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, when we walked into the lobby of Fort Knox Federal Credit Union, which is is a podcast sponsor with us. You already knew Shelly, so tell us a little bit about Shelly. Oh, I've gotten to know Shelly in um, a more the professional role as she is a volunteer for United Way and has helped on their finance committee, which is where we first crossed paths. And uh, we got to see each other recently too at Heels Together, so thank you for being an investor in that program, which obviously aligns with our mission here at Boss Lady Coaching. But I'm really excited to get to hear a little bit more about her story today, because we haven't really dug into that as much. So we've looked at a lot of AR spreadsheets and financial reports and all that's been extremely as thrilling as it can be. But let's dig in a little bit more about Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for being on with us today. Thanks for having me. So I looked up your LinkedIn and I saw that uh, your education is in accounting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. That's not super exciting. So tell me what's exciting. Sorry about to all of our accountants CPA. listening. Hopefully we haven't offended anybody. <laughs> no, that's that's my weak perception. And and, and but I, what I mean by exciting is you do so much important, serious work. Mm-hmm. So if someone is listening and they've thought about expanding to that, what would you sell them? Like how would you sell them uh, going into being a CPA as far as education and career? Right. So actually, when I first went um, to school, I, I wasn't exactly sure the path that I wanted to go down. I thought I really actually wanted to do more finance than accounting. I actually have a degree in both finance and accounting, but what I kept being told was that 
the CPA license can get you into whatever job you want to get into. And so that's the advice I took and with the idea that maybe I didn't want to do public accounting or taxes or anything forever, but that was the way that I was going to get in. Um, and it was very, very true. I did public accounting on the audit side for about four years and I got to see you know, how organizations worked from large universities in the area to um, complex hospital systems to financial institutions. And I really got to see the ins and outs and it really helped me um, learn more than the average person would in four years. So as a result, when I was looking to leave, I was able, I was presented with a lot of opportunities with clients and I actually got into a role as the chief internal auditor here. Um, which doesn't sound super it's exciting. Really, super exciting. It's either. really exciting if you've been through an audit before, and uh, you know that word usually yeah strikes the fear into your heart. But you're you're but, super nice, so I'm sure people welcome your visit. I, I, I try to be I try to be nice, have a nice balance with it. But you know, one of the things that I try to sell people on is one thing that audit gets to see that no one else gets to see is every single part of the organization. You see how lending works. You see how delinquent works there's really not anyone else that gets to do that except for the CEO. So how awesome is it, you know, a handful of years outside of college and you get to see how the entire organization is working. And so that worked out really well for me. After about um, a little over a year and a half of being here, I got promoted to be the vice president of risk. And so now I get to use my knowledge and expertise, not only to guide the audit process of the organization, but to help the organization make strategic decisions based on, you know, here are the risks that are presented, but here's also the strategic opportunities that we could have and help balance that. And so there, to me, there's a lot of value in that. It's exciting. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so you kind of get to dig into the numbers. Um, and I get to feel like I'm making an impact. And I think, you know, for my age, uh, I'm really proud that I can do what I want to do already, and I think the CPA license is what got me there. You sold me. I mean, <laughs> it is exciting now. Yes. So let's go back. When did you graduate? I graduated uh, from my master's program in 2011. And where did you go to school? Uh, UK, University of Kentucky. I, I'm guessing you're a Cats fan. I am a Cats fan. Thank you for being upbeat and nice because we've had an election this week, and UK's had a loss. Oh, I don't want to talk about but that But you right play now. again tomorrow, so... I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I see that I've, I've been triggered, <laughs> and so we'll move on. Let's talk about something that will actually make you feel good, and that's yeah. your baby. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, new baby. Yes, he's eight and a half months old, which... And look at you. I'm, your hair it looks and great. And I would not you're, know you're it. Like, like, yeah. You, uh, well, you, it's tough. How are you sleeping? Yeah. And he must be like... Not great. <laughs> um, I wish he slept better, but uh, he's... So, so fun to see him develop and, and I'm so grateful talking about the CPA world is that I was able to find a job that helped me balance um, and, and actually be able to go home and see him every night, which I wouldn't have been able to do in my previous job. So. so is that demanding? Uh, well, I traveled about 80% of the time. So great organization, but 80% of the time of travel to not necessarily the most luxurious cities in the world. Um, it, was, it was a little tiresome after a while. I can imagine. I, I think um, I'd love to hear about how people received you when you were going into those environments. Because I imagine as a young female coming in in that role and when people are naturally defensive, when um, it's kind of like that saying where we're with the IRS and we're here to help. And actually, yeah. I have learned so much personally by taking advice of auditors and, mm -hmm. and not 
trying not to be defensive, but learning from their experience and asking, you know, what changes can we make? What advice do you have? Learning from that process. But I can imagine you probably met some resistance when you would roll into an organization that um, maybe not everybody <laughs> had had the welcome mat rolled out for you. Absolutely. And especially, um, absolutely. I, I think one of the things is it really forces you to learn communication skills really, really well. Things that can't be taught really when you're in school is, okay, I have bad news to share with them. They may not want to hear it from me to begin with. How can I say it in a way that in their mind, they're going to see it as some kind of value? Ah. And so it really forced me to understand the why behind it, not just the fact that it was wrong. Why do they matter? Why do they care about it? And so I think when you take a different approach to it and help put yourself in their shoes and you communicate it that way, uh, regardless of whether it's you know someone that typically wouldn't respond to a young 23-year-old coming in and telling you that they have a material misstatement on their financial statements. Uh, it really eases it, and you, you build relationships. And I actually I had a great relationship with all my clients. I was really blessed that you know, all of them really were respectful, and I don't know how much of that's credit to my way of communicating, but I'd like to think that um, being empathetic with how they felt made a difference and made that relationship stronger. And that's such a blessing to have that skill. I know some of the most talented people I've gotten to work with, I've noticed that ability in them mm-hmm. to be able to tell you something that's actually like really terrible news. They, like they could tell you, you are awful, and you are, <laughs> and I've heard that like basically that bottom line message be like. Like, this is unacceptable, not not working. And seeing people be, like, thinking like they said it themselves and on board with the sentiment just because of the way it was put is, uh, I don't know if I have that, but uh, it's amazing to see that kind of skill at work where you see people bought in, even though it is bad news, but because of the way it's presented. Right, absolutely. One thing Becky Aitz talked to us about was her passion for the culture here. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about how she went to school and got her bachelor's and got her master's while she was working full-time and had two young daughters, and she talked about the impact it had on her family um, and how it was such a welcoming and warm culture, but also um, let's look back even 10, 15 years ago about views on um feeding your baby and things like that. How, for you, has that translated to now and, and being in a friendly workplace? Can you, do you have any perspective on that? Because you are very young, but have you seen how in work environments unlike this one that could have an impact on your health? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely think it's, it's critical to pick a, a, a workplace that's going to um, support you and your decisions. Um, for example, I'm still breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, prop. <laughs> yeah, it, it has not well, been easy in any way, difficult. shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask that, but, but I didn't want to make you uncomfortable. Oh, no. So I'm glad that you, um, you but offered that. I, you know, I have very supportive people around me that, you know, don't make me feel bad or pressured to stay in meetings that will delay a meeting so that I can, you know, take time to pump. We all joke about it at times because it's just easier to kind of make it a non-event and be like, oh, yep, I just bring up um, that I have to go pump. And Ray says, what? whatever you need to do. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, it, it, I, I really think that if you were in a culture where you felt that you didn't have that flexibility or you felt that you were going to be judged or criticized for it, 
one, you, you wouldn't breastfeed. And I, I think, yeah, and, and you, I think you would make very different decisions and it would affect her med, um, emotional and mental health. I don't think you have to breastfeed in any way, shape or form, but if you want to, and you were discouraged because your work environment wasn't supportive of it, I, I think that would be very detrimental to anyone's mental health. Mm-hmm. as feeling like their work environment is impacting their ability to be a good mother. I agree with you. And one thing Becky mentioned, and this is the last time I'll give a throwback to Becky, but she also <laughs> mentioned. Great. It was a great episode. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, she talked about the culture here mm-hmm. um, making her want to stay. So mm-hmm. even though she had all these opportunities, she decided to stay. Mm-hmm. That's unusual. Right. So I'll, I'll just speak to this. And, you know, I, I mentioned this a little bit before was that, you know, the idea that you really want to pick based on your boss. And so when I was leaving um, public accounting, uh, I was so blessed to have multiple opportunities. And the thing that struck me was the fact that Ray was a couple minutes late to our interview, Ray being our CEO, uh, was because he was dropping his kids off at school. And to me, that resonated. First of all, he came in with a lot of high energy. He was bubbly, which was great. And so family man, mm-hmm. you know, has a very strong uh, wife that he's super proud of and, you know, and he's energetic. And so that sold me. It's like, okay, that's the person that I'm going to be working for. He'll get it. He'll understand that I'm having kids. He'll be compassionate and empathetic through it. And it's true. And it, it it's not just me that it impacts because I work directly for him. It's our entire organization. He's constantly setting the tone at the top um, to ensure that we have a great culture here that's supportive of women, uh, supportive of everyone, including women, which is a large portion of our workforce. So, you know, when I'm presented with other opportunities to leave, I think, man, what are the chances you could have? I would get lucky and have a a boss like that again, that cares about me, is invested in me and invested in this company and this, in this community that we serve. Uh, It's just really amazing. And I think that says it all. Um, And you get from where you are, you get to see the overall company and you're really involved in strategy. So what is it like on a day-to-day basis to work with somebody that is in simpatico with you? it's it's amazing. I mean, the the culture here. Uh, well, I guess I'll step back a little bit. So, I'm 30 years old, and I get to be at the table, working with people, making decisions for the largest credit union in the state. So, what that tells me is my boss does not care about my gender. He doesn't care about my age. He cares about what I bring to the table. And that's true for our entire organization, our entire culture. And it's pretty awesome that we can, you know, all get into, you know, regardless of background or age or gender, be in a room, push back with each other, but all be really happy with where we end up as an organization. It sounds like there's a lot of mutual respect. Oh, I, I definitely think there is. And making the best decision and sometimes that means being critical and being able to have that healthy debate. Right. And yeah, I think that also brings you closer together when you realize that you can disagree and still have each other's back. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. All of that. And that takes away the co-pilot effect. Do you know what I'm referring to? Where the co-pilot keeps the pilot from crashing the plane. And, and sometimes that doesn't happen because the co-pilot is submissive or afraid to speak up. So it right. sounds like your culture is not not a oh. plane that's going to crash at all it's, because the co-pilot <laughs> won't speak up. Oh, yeah. It's so far from that. I mean, I you know, people sometimes ask me, like, what did you do to get promoted so quickly here? And I was like, I don't know. I might have just 
told him my opinion way too many times, which sometimes, you know, that people could be perceived as, um, you know, like, almost like a complainer with it, but it's all about how you do it. It's saying, okay, look, there's, there's something here. There's something that might be broken, but look at this opportunity and how we can make it better. And everyone on the senior leadership team here wants that. They want that pushback. They want you to, you know, continue to dig to make better strategic decisions. And I think that's why we do make so many good, great strategic decisions is because we all want that pushback. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm in a meeting and they're like, push back, push back on us. Because they want it. They feed off of it. And we get so much better because of it. How does internally, not with customers, but internally, you employ how many people? Like 260-ish. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. So yeah. um, how do you handle change within your organization? You were talking about pushback. How does that work? How does that go over? From like a top-down level? A top-down level. So, Like with policy and whatever changes you make, how do you um, effectively implement change in your organization. So we are always working um, to learn and make sure that this is done the best way possible. And I, I think one of the great things here is that we always learn from when things aren't executed well and that we try to get better from it. But it, it's an art to, to uh, push down a big change. And so what we typically do is, you know, we, we, we make sure all the parties that are impacted that we're getting their opinion. It's not just senior management deciding on a change that's going to impact the rest of the organization before we talk to the people that it's going to impact on a day-to-day basis. So it starts with buy-in. They get why we're doing it. They understand why we're doing it. So they don't find out via memo or email or... We try not to. I'm not saying that never happens, but what it we happens really... happens in all organizations. Yeah, we, what we really try to do is say, okay, we think we want to make a change to the appearance of something that impacts our teller line. Well, we think it makes sense and it saves us money, but what will that do to them? And we make sure that we understand their process, we understand their concerns. Um, they're normally part of the test environment before we go live with anything. So we really try to have that collaborative approach to make sure, one, just, just because we think we're right, we're not doing it every day. We're likely missing something. Uh, and I think that helps with buy-in. Uh, and then we do, we, we try to train on it and then reinforce it and then test to say, make sure that it was executed correctly. And if it wasn't, we train and we kind of rinse and repeat until we get it right. Yeah, it's really that growth type of environment where you're always looking for a better option, even though, um, you know, perfect's hard to get to, but yeah. that mindset of we're going to keep improving until... Uh, you never stop, really. Right, absolutely. And, and inevitably, you'll find uh, things that you think are quick decisions that don't really impact anyone, and then you find out later that, oh, man, maybe we should have asked this person. So every day we're, we're, we're getting a little bit better at understanding, you know, let's stop for a second and make sure we've thought about every single option and who everybody that needs to be a part of this conversation. And what I really like about something you bring up is um, I hate to talk about millennials because um, we get a bad we rap all the time. Them. I like to talk about it, but I hate them. to talk about it from a stereotypical standpoint. And, and I think sometimes there is that stereotype of, oh, they're just complaining. But I think the mindset you have is exactly my own experience, too, of like, we just want to have a voice. And if we have a, a different suggestion or are open to also being challenged, like let's have that debate. And I think that really is part of the mindset of our generation is just that expectation of shouldn't we be trying to, you know, think this through from every angle. And, but that can be a challenge sometimes as a millennial, um, you know, if you're not in an environment where it is just part of the culture and it's welcomed and expected, um, 
you know, that can, I think that's where some of our problems and, and challenges with that stereotype come from is people who aren't, they just view it as, oh gosh, they just always have a problem with this or an opinion about this. and <laughs> Or may view it, you're talking about framing, may view it as disrespectful when in fact it's that pushback. Tell me about pushback. I'm a Gen Xer. Actually, I'm a cusper. I found out I'm an elder millennial. Uh, This is so complicated now. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. But uh, I grew up with the baby boomers. Like, I was trained under the baby boomer generation. So tell me about pushback. Features and benefits of pushback. pushback. I mean, I I think with pushback, it's a delicate game. Because if if you want pushback, you have to really want it. Because you may not like what you hear. And so, you know, when you want constructive criticism, some days you just don't want to hear it. You want to hear that everything's working correctly and you think we made a great decision. So I do think that it, it, it's very careful that you, you're, that you understand why you're pushing back. You understand, okay, there might be something broken here, but how, how important is it? And making sure you can articulate that correctly because there might be something minor broken, but it doesn't really matter. It, doesn't, it, it would impact such a small scope of people and it's not worth our time. So you have to be very thoughtful on what you think is worth pushing back for, what you think that you wanna fight for because if you do fight for everything that doesn't have a lot of value, people will stop listening. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be um, very... Uh, mindful of the end goal and what really matters to the organization as a whole, not what just matters to you as a person. Preach. We were just talking about this and, and about and the infinite game The in the long run. Is this worth it? And asking what outcome do I want? Right. And that's really difficult sometimes, especially in the heat of, a, of the moment or you get excited or whatever, all those chemicals come into play and then you have to stop and breathe and ask yourself in the long game, is this beneficial? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Do I need, does it matter? Do I need to bring this up? (laughs) I actually literally said that today. (laughs) That's charming. Say that again. What is Is this? The hill I want to die on. (laughs) And we all know the answer right there. Yes. But I think it also with, with feedback as we're talking about this, it's so important too for those of us who maybe that's part of your nature to also make sure you're training yourself to be receptive of it. Because Mm -hmm. if you can dish it out and that is, part of that culture then you also have to make sure you are prepared to receive it so you're not just always you know that person with the recommendation or the opinion or the idea but also able to control your action when it's given to you and it's very critical to admit when you're wrong yeah you know I think that's where a lot especially probably a lot of millennials go wrong is they're they're pushing 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 for things but even when they're presented with facts that are to the contrary, they're still pushing because yeah. they, they won't want to admit that they're wrong. And that's a generalization, obviously, but people in general don't like to admit that they may have failed to give bad advice. If you're going to be that person that they're looking for to po- poke holes in things, you have to be comfortable saying, hey, look, I noticed this, but you know what? I was wrong. It's not a factor. I'm backing off. Like, Go with what you originally said. I may have wasted two hours of your time. Check just, your ego at the door. Disregard that <laughs> completely. And I think that's a, um, at least for me, I think that's been a huge factor to people's willingness to hear some of my pushback is I will, I will I at least try to be very honest about when I made a bad decision. It's so funny how easy it is to say 
I'm sorry, or I hadn't thought about that, or yeah, I based on what I went through, now if I had to do it over again, I would have done something different. And mm-hmm. it's funny how like painful that can be for people to admit, but if you right. could just like, I, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, I say I'm sorry so quickly now that it's it's almost just you, you forget that at some point that maybe had a sting to it, or mm-hmm. when you have to admit you could have done something differently it's just the more you do it the easier it gets and that takes all of the when you can take the ego off the table and just be real with people um, I think that does keep things moving forward versus you know running into that defensive habit and remembering that you're you're always better as a team and for me and I say this sometimes I was like you want other people's advice and pushback because you don't want to be the only one standing up there when it does go wrong you want to be like Megan was out there with me. Holly was yeah. out there with me. We were all in this boat together. And it's all, we're all sinking. But that's you what know? builds your team, that camaraderie. Yeah, I five on that. That's how it sounds like, you know, from the environment you're describing, it, it sounds like how you've really built this camaraderie is, you know, you've, you've had that candor with each other. And I can see why that's a really special thing to be able to have that with people in leadership, your boss. I mean, I just think having a boss that you can have that type of relationship with gosh, that's, I know that's been, I've been so lucky to have those people in my life. And I'm so glad that you've had that experience. Cause I think too often we talk about like what kind of work I want to do or what company I want to work for, but to find that environment that'll push you to grow and push you in, in these type of challenging situations. Gosh, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. It really is. Well, speaking of that, before we wrap up, we're almost done. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know it goes really it yeah. goes fast. Um, who has been your mentor? Or mentors. Mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at my in the public accounting world, I definitely had, like, they assigned mentors. But really, and I'm not trying to be Cordy, and I hope he doesn't actually listen to this podcast at I all. I hope he does. But, but like, <laughs> my boss, Ray, really has been a great mentor to me. And really, I mean, he's constantly saying, like, what do I need to do to make sure that you're still growing and still learning? You know, because he asks you that all the time, and he's you know I want you to be a you know what do you want to be a part of what would make you happy and oh, that man. matters to me and I you know I just had a baby so sometimes I get emotional just eight months ago but you know sometimes I blame that my hormones I had on a that baby nine years ago <laughs> still and I still get emotional. <laughs> but it, still emotional. I mean it's happy tears like it makes me feel great that. Um, he cares about me. He'll give me constructive feedback. And he, not only he doesn't just do it for me, he wants his organization to be great, but I feel invested in. And it's been awesome. It's been really rewarded. And I think since I've been here, one of my biggest concerns with going from public accounting to here was every day at public accounting, I learned something new. Everything was a, like, you know, basically being dropped in the ocean and seeing if you can you can survive because there were so many different um, things you've never seen before. And so I was really worried that I'd become kind of stagnant and I wouldn't learn as much. But here, I can learn as much as I want and I can be exposed to as much as I want and I can network with other credit unions. And a lot of that is because my boss supports it. And I think that's pretty awesome. Those are the best questions I've heard in a long time. So ladies, if you're in a position to supervise (laughs) others, doesn't mean you have to be the CEO, but gosh, can you tell us a couple of those questions again? Because those were so powerful. The questions he asked me. Yeah, what Ray asked you. He he always asked me, you know, 
<laughs> now I'm lost for it. <laughs> See, when you really ask questions, they were so I, good. But, I mean, he, he's constantly asking me, like, what do you need to be happy here to continue to grow, to feel like you're invested in? You know, what meetings do you want to be a part of? Uh, he just makes sure that I'm not stagnant. He wants to make sure that I'm getting um, the encouragement, the guidance, uh, the learning tools, the challenges that I need to, to continue to feel like I'm growing. Um, and, and, the, and not just in this job, but any job that I might want to work into in the future. And that's something he's considered. Like, you know, if you don't want to be in this role forever, you know, help me know what you need to continue to grow into what role you want to be in the future. That's an awesome boss right there. So <laughs> since this is like got a boss, yeah, I can't let the moment go by without saying, but if you are a boss of any kind or aspire to be, all of our listeners, all of our women especially, like, gosh, what a great example. Let's, let's do a little bit to be a little more like Ray next time we've got an opportunity to be. And Ray I hope he is listening. Ray, <laughs> I hope you don't know it, but you just became an honorary boss lady. <laughs> Julia can hook us up to make sure she can. he gets crowned the inaugural. Um, we, we need to, we've been talking about, we need a, a male perspective on the show soon. And yeah, maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah, we'll put the invitation out there. He would be awesome because what a great environment. I'm, I'm just so excited for you to have this opportunity. Yeah, it's been great. It really has. So before we go, last thoughts. What would you like to share to a young woman listening um, who hasn't had a child yet, but who's just finished up college? Picture that person. What would you say to that person um, going into the workplace? How would you arm them? I would say when you're looking for a job, the interview you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you, and, and take that seriously. Make sure that you understand the culture that you're buying into, that you understand the type of boss and the kind of support that you need. Not everybody needs, you know, a mentor that's going to guide them every day. But if you do, make sure that your boss is going to provide that support. Um, the next thing I'd say is ask questions. You know, so often when you start your career, you want to feel like you, you know, college taught you everything. It's okay to go into the workforce and not know anything. And I, I really feel like half of people's success is being, um, knowing what they know, knowing what they don't know and admitting it because that's your chance to learn. If I don't know something and I can just be honest with it, someone will teach it to me. And the next time I will, and that's how I get better, stronger, smarter. And it, there's nothing wrong with admitting what your weaknesses are. The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast is produced in part by Fort Knox Federal Credit Union. People helping people. Visit fortknoxfcu.org. Enjoy free tools at bethebosscoaching.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Boss Lady Coaching.